Hello and welcome to Bread. We're a newish, spirit-filled, non-denominational church meeting in the Los Feliz area of Los Angeles, or we hope to be again sometime soon. Everything we do as a church is, as with most of the rest of life, currently happening online. Our current teaching series is on prayer, and we're basing the talk each week on one line of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Prayer is a somewhat basic tenet of a relationship with the divine, isn't it? But in that a lot of us are aware of our own needs and limitations in whole new ways right now, not to mention the needs of our city, our nation and our world, we thought this might be a good time to look in depth at what Jesus meant when he said, this is how you should pray. We hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone, my name is Raul and I'm so happy to be with you this Sunday. Uh, Today we'll be exploring the next petition in the Lord's Prayer. As Jesus is teaching his listeners this prayer from the hillside, he has in mind the commandments, which equally give attention to life with God and life with people. And the structure of Jesus's prayer here brilliantly follows the dual focus of the great commandment, love God and love your neighbor. Ed and Hannah spoke on the first focus of this prayer, which has to do with God's holy character. Uh, it's, it's hallowed be your name. It's your kingdom come. It's your will be done. Then Jesus shifts the focus of the prayer onto us and our personal petitions. It's give us daily bread, forgive us, deliver us. Because the biblical story isn't just about God and me, or me and us, or or God and them. It's God and us. It's communal. And we'll see that play out as we explore the rest of the prayer. But to recap, and because it's good for us, here's uh, Matthew 6, by, read by Alicia. Let's follow along. Matthew 6, 9-13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you, Alicia, for that reading. The, these words in the Lord's Prayer remind me of a story I heard of my grandparents growing up. When... One night as they were driving home after a long, exhausting day, it was one of those days where you just can't wait to get home and just collapse into bed. Uh, As they were driving home, they had my mom and my aunt in the back seat, and they must have been about seven or eight years old. And when my grandpa turned onto the street where their house was at, my aunt reaches from the back seat, taps my grandpa on the shoulder and says, Dad, I want McDonald's. I mean, really, what kid doesn't? And my grandpa, he can see the front door. He, he's dreaming about just getting home, taking his shoes off and collapsing into bed. He, he's imagining this in his head. And when he hears my aunt ask for McDonald's, he lets out a big sigh in exhaustion. And my grandma looks over to him and says, Si tu no, entonces quien? Which means, if not you, then who? And what she was saying was, you're her dad. If you're not going to give her what she needs, then who will? And what I find compelling in this prayer is that a similar idea is at play in the mind of Jesus. 
It's the Father who gives us what we need. However, unlike my grandpa, my, my grandpa or any normal parent, um, when their children ask for things at the most inconvenient time, God doesn't sigh in exhaustion. He doesn't roll his eyes in annoyance uh, because unlike our earthly parents, God doesn't get tired. He doesn't run out of resources and he can't be inconvenienced. Instead, God is always ready to give. And Jesus begins this part of the prayer with the words, give us. And this echoes the message of Jesus about the nearness of the kingdom. The announcement of the kingdom being near carries with it undertones of a patron-client relationship, which in that society was needed. You couldn't work or eat without being relationally connected to a patron who has a vast amount of resources and the ability to distribute them. So as the listeners are hearing this first part of the prayer, this, this piques their interest. This is good news to them because it signifies that God as patron is near and he is ready to give of his unlimited resource. Because giving is what God does even from the very beginning. In Genesis, God gives humanity plants and fruits for food. And yes, they were vegan. Um, but after the fall, when Adam and Eve um, eat of the fruit and they realize they're naked, God protects them. He gives them clothes. And um, further down the line, God gives Israel land that is rich in resources. It's flowing with milk and honey. Uh, in the prophets, God promises to give Israel and the world a, a new king who will bring God's kingdom on earth. And then when Jesus steps on the scene, we see that he does that very thing. He goes out of his way to find those on the fringes of society, the poor, the sick, the powerless. And he provides uh, food for the hungry. He provides wine for celebrating, which I mean, come on. Um, and then rest for the exhausted. He gives bread to his disciples at Passover, which ultimately pointed to uh, Jesus giving up his own life um, on the cross for the world for all of time. But God's giving doesn't stop there. After Jesus' resurrection, he gives us his spirit, which enables us to live God-filled lives in our world. And the story of the Bible ends with a renewed earth and a party. A party where there is no lack. The whole witness of the scriptures has to do with God's giving in the big and the small details. And Jesus is giving, and Jesus gives us this particular prayer as a model for praying, but also as a reference for thinking and interacting in the world. And for more on that, you can go back and listen to Ed and Hannah's talk uh, from the previous weeks. But the point here is that. God is our provider, that he is the source of all that we need. It all comes from him and he gives freely. This is the basis for how we pray. We make our petitions, our request of God because he delights in our asking. He is pleased at our asking and his heart is warmed as we make our request. And petition is central to the parent-child dynamic. 
I don't have any kids of my own, but I've been asked countless amounts of time by kids whether or not I have games on my phone, which is the thing for some reason. Um, but the, the Hebrew and Greek words that are generally used for prayer mean to make request, to make petition, because asking is what we do as kids in God's family. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. So when we pray, we can be confident and bold in our asking because we're his children. We are his sons and his daughters and will never, ever stop being his children. When we go to my in-laws in Michigan for a week or so, one thing we always ask about is the food. When we go there, we get that traditional Midwest healthy diet full of cheese and potatoes. I love it. And when we go, we're asking for venison, for cheesy potatoes, for roast beef, for goulash. We ask for it all. And, and, and when we ask, we're not ashamed because we know when we go home, we're kids. And in God's house, we can never outgrow asking. We never mature out of petition, prayer. We never grow out of asking. It's not something we ever get beyond. And yes, adoration, thanksgiving, uh, contemplation, these things that are so life-giving and rich and part of uh, prayer are important and we need those, but we should never adopt the mentality that puts one above the other um, or thinks that that asking is below us or behind us because we can never get beyond asking in our faith journey. And Jesus elsewhere urges uh, his followers to ask. Here's what he says moments later out of Matthew, read by Alicia again. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Have you ever noticed that we have different knocks for different doors? When we're at a boss's door, we, we knock subtly. We knock quietly. We're, we're kind of reserved. We don't want to bring disruption. Um, and, and, and we knock just hard enough to get a glance. But when we knock at a neighbor's door, we're a little bit more confident. Uh, we're a little bit more relaxed, but we're, we're still somewhat reserved. But when I knock at my best friend's door, I'm knocking on the door. I'm twisting the doorknob. I am ringing the doorbell. I am jumping up and down in front of the camera because I know whose door I'm at. And Jesus is saying, when you knock, remember whose door you're at. You are home. You can be shamelessly honest and bold. The invitation here is to be unashamedly bold and broad with our petitions because God is the one who is ready to give. Jesus himself prayed, 
with this kind of confidence and, and, and he invites us to do the same because this kind of raw, shameless and honest prayer is what deepens our intimacy with God and intimacy with the one who created us is what we were made for. Those who get there aren't necessarily the theologically trained. It's not the most gifted or the ones with the longest streaks of good behavior and gold stars. It's the ones who give it a shot again and again. And I want to acknowledge here that God doesn't always answer our prayers. We don't always have a nicely packaged answer for why this is the case. It's not always because it's best for us that he doesn't answer, but sometimes it may be. It's not always because the world doesn't operate as it should and suffering exists also, but sometimes it may be. See, Jesus's prayer in the garden also goes unanswered. He prays, take this cup away. He's asking God for another way that redeems the world without having to go to the cross. And that prayer doesn't get answered. So Jesus himself experienced what it is to be human and have your prayers unanswered. We don't know why prayers sometimes go unanswered, but we do know that the more we are in step with God, the more we'll pray for his will and see his kingdom activity in our lives, which almost always spills over into the lives of others in such a beautiful, life-giving way. And so Jesus teaches us to pray specifically for daily bread. This phrase is overflowing with meaning primarily in reference to Exodus 16. After God delivers Israel from Egypt, he leads them through the barren wilderness and sustains them by providing food from the sky called manna. No one knows exactly what this was, uh, but I imagine it looked a bit like a tortilla and maybe they had some guac on the side. Uh, Who knows? Uh, But Jesus is teaching us to ask God to provide for our needs as he did for Israel in the wilderness and will do in the future when hunger and thirst will end and every tear will be wiped away and suffering will be no more and the kingdom will be fully present Praying for daily bread is asking for tomorrow's bread, that bread of the future, today. The fully established kingdom is described as a banquet. So when we pray for daily bread, we're praying for the menu of that banquet to come to us today. It's asking for that crawfish boil of the future to come today. It's praying for the heavenly charcuterie for today. It's it's the future promise to us is one of abundance where there is no lack. And Jesus demonstrated this kind of reality, this kind of activity in his parties. So much so that his opponents thought Jesus was a drunk. And the kingdom fully established is a party where there is no lack, where no one goes hungry where nobody is thirsty. Everyone has their fill, and there's plenty more to go around. 
But if I'm honest, I've hardly ever felt the need to legitimately pray this, to pray for tomorrow's bread today. As I began studying for this talk and observing the text, I was faced with the reality that I've never had to pray this seriously. My economic status means that I've I'm not in a place where I question whether or not I will have a meal today. And I imagine this may be the experience for the majority of us. Um, but the closest I've ever been to asking this question is when I went to Trader Joe's at the uh, early on in the pandemic, and I, I went for flour, and and as I walked in, I saw every shelf wiped clean, and I thought, "Am I ever gonna eat again?" Like, am I going to starve? I ended up going home with some random kind of flour that I didn't end up using, and it's still probably in that shelf. Um, but most, mostly everyone listening to Jesus' teaching would have been on the opposite end. They lived day to day and were not sure from where their next meal would come from. And this is the majority of the world. For, for the original listeners, on the hillside, listening to Jesus' words, the odd ones out were Matthew, the wealthy tax collector, the author of this gospel. And for Matthew and for us, Jesus is inviting us to view everything that we have, the basics, food, shelter, work, relationships, as a gift. Does God want us on the brink of starvation? Absolutely not. But I think Jesus is asking us to identify with those who are. When we pray for daily bread, we're not just doing so for ourselves, but for the members of God's family who find themselves without basic needs. And as we pray this, we pray, give us today our daily bread. May the one in six households in America facing hunger be in our mind's eye. Along with the one in five people in this city facing food insecurity. We're praying alongside of them in solidarity. And often we may overlook the real physical needs of ours for more important or meaningful abstract things. But Jesus here teaches us that there's validity to our concerns for our needs. If we need a job, if we need rest, if we need a babysitter, if we need a house. Uh, right now, there's many of us who uh, are in need of companionship and community as we self-isolate at home. These needs are valid and they have a place in following Jesus because if they matter to us, they matter to him. If it matters, it, it matters to him, and he's made me aware of that in my own life. A couple of weeks ago, I was really moved by Hannah's talk on the large catch of fish from John 21, and I felt God stirring uh, in me and bringing to the forefront of my mind real concerns that I had about school and work and finances, uh, concerns and worries that I'm pretty good at bearing under the surface. Um, and I felt like every word I was hearing was sticking. And so I hopped on Zoom after prayer 
uh, I hopped on Zoom prayer after the service, which is something that we offer every Sunday. And Brandon prayed for me. Um, And going into the prayer, the initial feeling I had was one of anxiety and uncertainty. um, And I felt a little bit stuck. Uh, and, and, I, and I felt as if I was looking um, into just a haze, into a fog. Um, and as Brandon prayed, I felt God saying, keep listening to my voice. Let my voice guide you and I'll take care of the details. And immediately I just felt this sense of relief. Immediately I felt as if God was seeing me, as if God was, was looking after me. Um, I, I, I felt as if the, the needs, the concerns that I had mattered to God. And I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll trust your way. I'll trust your timing. And then I thought, wow, this Zoom stuff actually works. Um, but as we pray for our needs, Jesus invites us to follow the sound of his voice. To follow his leading to follow where he takes us and he promises to take care of the details along the way and ultimately jesus is our daily bread he's the one who sustains our souls with the sound of his voice and so to end i'd like to read these words out of romans he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, give us all things? Let us again remember that we've been given Jesus, the bread of life, the person which supersedes the quality of anything we could ever want or need. Since we've been given Jesus, there's nothing off the table as we pray, give us today our daily bread. Amen. If any of this is stirring within you, it may be that God is drawing your attention. And a great way to respond is by hopping on Zoom prayer and uh, receiving some prayer by one of our lovely bread. Um, bread members who are trained to pray. Um, So feel free to hop on that after this uh, service, and we hope to see you soon, and blessings to you all. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare you're our living hope Your presence, Lord Where I've tasted and seen All the sweetest of loves Where my heart becomes free And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Hold
spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence.